The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Rotowire's Eric Halterman. And I say Rotowire's because Eric has been with us for five years, but he is now full on, full time Rotowire. Rotowire for life's Eric Hal- Eric Halterman. Eric, welcome to the show. How's it going? Yeah, it's going well. Great to be uh yeah, finally officially features editor. Exciting new title that I get to find out what that means as we go. You uh, basically get back. to po- edit and post everybody's article. You know, you'll get exactly, to like really- yeah. Yeah, unless I sneak one in on you there, you'll have to edit my stuff and you can tell me how brutally wrong I am on certain things. So it'll be great. Yeah, I haven't yet done that, although I do edit Todd Zola pretty often, which is interesting. I get to co-host with him on the uh, MLB Network Sirius XM show we have. So getting to read his work multiple times a week and tell him when he's wrong is interesting. uh, Yeah, interesting to edit somebody who's been at this, you know, decades longer than you have. But exactly. Sometimes just just a fresh eye. That's all it is. Yep. Um, we like seeing that. And, you know, we have certain style points we follow and things of that nature. But and I appreciate you stepping in. Fred Zinke is at his kids uh, hockey tournament out here in SoCal. Fortunately, we don't we're not going to have the opportunity to meet up. But uh, I'm actually leaving tomorrow night, uh, tonight, actually, uh, tomorrow overnight uh, for my golf trip. So I don't get to meet up with Fred. He comes all the way out here and I don't see him. So bummer on that. But you're stepping in. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm going to be covering a little bit of you're going to be like in a couple of weddings uh, later on this month. So I'm going to actually be playing your role with Todd on the MLB show. Yep. Straight from Eric to Erickson. I don't yep. know if we ever work together regularly. We can work that one in somehow. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen at least once or twice more coming here. Lots of stuff to talk about here. Lots of injury news. Uh, I didn't mention in the outline, but Wander Franco had surgery. He's out for a good chunk of time here. I think six to eight weeks. Uh been a rough rust of fantasy season i got in in standalone leagues redraft leagues this is a cut now right yeah what's the timeline was six to eight or five to six it's at least out through most or all of august we're we're looking at two to four weeks at the end of the season i mean with the talent like that if you have very deep bench spots you know you'd like to have two to four weeks of that but yeah they said five to eight weeks fractured hammock bone We've seen Joey Gallo get lost for the season for more than three months before. We've seen other people, you know, get back, you know, you know, come back in four weeks and be better than ever. Uh, Matt Olson, 
uh, for instance. Uh, so it, wide range of outcomes there. Yeah, handmates are scary, though, because they can sap power for a long time, and you're just yeah. never sure. So valuing him heading into next season, that's going to be tough because his numbers are going to look bad, too. Mm-hmm. Although there was a stretch where he was pretty good. I think it was like late April or so. I remember yeah, he was writing, on fire hey, to he's... start the season. Yeah. And we're like, yes, this is he's ascendant. And then he really struggled in May. He only has five homers this year. Uh, five homers, five stolen bases. So there, the concern was with him is like he's a more polished player than fantasy player. Like he's going to be great in real life. He's going to have hit for average, hit for a high OBP, uh, but not maybe not get you the power of stolen bases. Well, he's not even getting you, you know, a 308 OBP isn't paying the bills either for the Rays. Uh, he's 21. Breakouts still can happen. I think he goes rough. He might even go slightly cheaper than he was last year, but I bet you the hype train will start up again, especially if you finish the September strong, you'll still have to pay a similar price. He's just, you know, what, what Julio Rodriguez is doing is what a lot of people thought Wander Franco might do. Right. Take that next step. I mean, he has the best baseline you could ask for. His contact skills are off the charts. I don't know if I've seen anybody coming up through the minors like that. So if you're looking for a guy to add something to his game, you want a 21 year old with that kind of, baseline but the problem is that's gonna i think push up the price next year ideally you'd like to get a bargain on a guy who really wasn't that good but you know is really talented but i think there's just gonna be too much hype that i don't think i'm gonna be able to snag him everywhere like i might like to if there really was that bargain right exactly um but yeah i i think there are certain ones certain players like that though that you just never get the bargain yeah there's always a believer in that um Keeper leagues, you might start to, you know, start being in like places where you have to think about extending him. The Rotowire staff keeper league, it probably won't be that way because uh, the way our system works is he was zero dollar contract last year, so he'll be a he was in his a year this year, so you still have another year at the three dollar price before you have to start making hard decisions about whether how how long to not whether but how long to extend him. Yeah, plenty of time there. Don't think I'd be really looking hard to trade him away either, unless I'm getting. A lot. I mean, obviously, he has a ton of value to a contending or to a rebuilding team. If you are a contender, well, you want something out of that slot. But man, it's tough to give up a guy like him. I was just going to say though, but I mean, flags fly forever. If you're a contending team right now, it might be worth it. It might it might be worth it to try to see. You know, someone's going to trade a lot for him there. A lot of and granted, a lot of expiring contracts, but you know, are expensive players. But still, I mean. You should be able to find. There should be a match out there uh, in dynasty and in keeper leagues. It's just, do you want? Uh, you know, it, dep- it, it all depends on where you are in the cycle. If you're a team that's primed to win this year, and that was just the one thing holding you back, well, then I think you got to think about a deal. Yeah, fair enough. I should say I'm definitely not ruling it out. You just better get a lot. I mean, absolutely, you still one of the best assets out there. I mean, still younger than most top prospects people are getting excited about often by multiple years exactly so don't don't sell for anything less than an absolute haul Vinny pasquantino just got called up he's 24 you know and yeah. wander is is 21 uh won't turn 22 until next march so yeah i think you really really got to think about that really just totally get as much as you possibly can there but uh you know what 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 would a trade look like i mean max scherzer uh, you know, an expense like a $40 Max Scherzer for your, you know, I'm just using the, the Rotowire staff keeper league as an example. Uh, he's probably even more than that. Um, in fact, there's no probable about, I know he's way more than that. That, that'd be kind of like the, like the type of player I, you know, I'd be 
insisting on getting if I'm if I'm giving up Franco for the long term. I want to get you know you got to go all out if you really want him. Right, an ace for half a season. Maybe if you're getting Scherzer for next year as well, it's tough to give up. You know, three, four years, maybe seven, eight years, depending on your league settings of Franco for what's it going to be? Fifteen starts of Scherzer. This is a it's a top five, or top twenty five dynasty talent. I think he was twenty second on our latest dynasty rankings. Right. That was obviously before the injury, but I don't even think I'd do it for. Well, again. Depends on the situation. As you said, flags fly forever. But even agreeing to give up years of Franco for half a year of Scherzer is tough to do. Very tough. Even if you might have to. Yeah, so there's two things. You better get a mint, and you better be darn sure that this pushes you over the top, that it's got to be worth it. Not just making the playoffs, not, you know, if you're in a head-to-head league, not just making the playoffs, but like, okay, this is going to be, put put me way over the top. Um Joel Hernard says, uh, you know, this is an interesting question. I I think I know the answer you're going to say. Would you do DeGrom for Franco right now to win? And the news on DeGrom is he's making a rehab start this week. So getting closer, my answer is no. Uh, He's making a rehab start Thursday, could come back next week, you know, after the All-Star break. I think that was the plan all along. I don't think I would because of the risk factor here. Yeah, as somebody who bought in on DeGrom a few too many places this offseason, you know, during that brief window when, hey, he's pitching and he's looking good. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see him all the way back before I would say he has as much trade value as Scherzer, right? I think I, if you had to get either guy today before we see DeGrom back, I think it's still Scherzer, obviously, because Scherzer's really mm-hmm. good. There's not a ton of pitchers who I'd want more than you know, a, a shot at having DeGrom, but I think Scherzer right. is still one of them. I'd agree with that. Um, so anyways, uh, I think we've surrounded that issue enough with Wander Franco. Let's move on. Uh, a couple other big uh, news items. Shane Bieber pitched uh, and ended the, the longest complete game drought in a franchise. Uh, so currently a current franchise with the Guardians throwing a complete game against the White Sox today. Game went like two hours and nine minutes. Uh Bieber was rough in his previous couple outings. Uh, he was not pitching like an ace. He absolutely was today. And the White Sox, man, they're just circling down their drain. I don't understand this team at all. Well, so much of it has been injuries, right? They haven't had yeah. their full team for any stretch. They've been hit as hard as any contender that I could think of. They're still, what, still without at least DeGrom. And I guess they're getting, or well, not DeGrom. Uh, uh, the- I meant Grandal. Not sure Grandall, and he's good. coming back this week, if I'm not mistaken, um, or maybe he'll come back after the All-Star break. A lot of times these rehab assignments work like that. But they're 41 and 45. Lance Lynn missed a big chunk of time, and currently there's an imposter inhabiting his body right now because he's really awful since coming back. Giolito has been we, – we did a whole episode on what's wrong with Giolito, and then he went on a West Coast swing and was really good. But he's all over the map. Uh, Dylan Cease has been great, but you know Anderson's been hurt at times. Eloy just came back, and he's taken a you know he's some good moments, some not so great moments with Eloy so far. Uh, the only great story so far really come from the White Sox is Andrew Vaughn, who's been great. Yeah, he's uh, doing what everybody kind of hoped he might show last year. He showed some in the Statcast numbers, I think, last year, but it was yeah on the whole you know unremarkable, a pretty good bat, but that's not necessarily good enough to make you a huge asset at a corner position or really should be a first baseman. 
But I think if you look at teams that are going to perform much better in the second half than the first, a healthy White Sox team has to be up there, right? I mean, there's not too yeah, many guys who you're changing your opinion on other than maybe Lynn. It's just they need to actually have those guys out there. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, but, man, it's just they, they, they got beat yesterday. They lost the opening game of the doubleheader today. Uh, so that's two in a row. They're down to 41 and 45. But, you know, despite all that, despite their disappointment, they're six games back in the Central. Again, almost half a season. Uh, three and a half games back in the wild card. Very quiet. Suddenly a crowded wild card race. Now that Seattle and Baltimore have entered the chat. Um, you know, that that's that's really kind of it's it's also the number of teams you have to overcome. The Mariners have won eight in a row. The Orioles have won eight in a row. Things that you didn't think you'd be saying earlier in the season. But uh White Sox, I mean, they, they're still all right. I mean, it's just, you're right. The pitching has been disappointing. Johnny Cueto has been pretty darn good. Um, as Joel says, he might be their best pitcher. I Is he better? Has he been better than Dylan Cease over this time? I don't know. I, I don't have any Cease. So I just, every time I look up, I see Cease striking out like 10 guys. And I think, okay, he's their best. He's their ace right now. Yeah, not a lot of pitchers anywhere better than Dylan Cease. But uh, Cueto... He's looked fine. I mean, that 291 ERA, all the ERA right. estimators are just over four, not really striking guys out. But he's a no. capable major league starter, which is probably more than I would have guessed heading into the year. Well, considering they were uh, rolling out with some other shakier pitchers uh, earlier on in this season, like Dallas Keuchel. I mean, those da- those Dallas Keuchel starts were really rough. Uh, Vince Velasquez was starting a bunch of games for them. Do you think maybe next year's year Velasquez puts it all together? Sure. Why not? That sounds like a jaded Phillies fan right there. Yeah, a little, little bit of that. <laughs> but uh, no, I do not think so. Uh, you mentioned Julio, uh, or we mentioned Julio in context uh, earlier uh, with uh, pr- uh, rookies, but uh, and Wander Franco. But Julio sitting out tonight. He's serving that one game suspension. Julio Rodriguez is doing that. How much analysis there? Just if you're in day to day leagues, get him out of your lineup. If you're in weekly leagues, just pl- proceed as just take. Assume it's a day off and you move on. Yeah, this a staggered suspension thing. That was new to me. I don't if it's happened before, I must have <laughs> missed it going by to see guys serving suspensions all in a row to punish the team as little as possible. It's not exactly what I expected to see coming out of a big brawl, but I yeah, guess it's helped the Mariners. A little bit. I mean, I think it's an acknowledgement too that you know the, the Mariners didn't start it. Um right. they also they might have gotten Julio's uh, suspension wrong. I still haven't seen a punch he threw, but then again, I haven't been. I haven't been. I haven't been like OJ looking for the real killers. I haven't been looking okay. out for uh, the real punchers. Uh, he might have thrown some punches in there. I just didn't see it. But like in the initial pass by, I didn't see it. But hey, this Mariners team is red hot after being such a disappointment earlier. They've caught fire starting since like the middle of June. They, I think they've only lost three times, including winning eight in a row now. Um, now, granted, they had a stretch where we thought their season ended. They had a, uh, a homestand against the Angels where they won the first game on a Friday night, got swept in a doubleheader on Saturday, lost another one, got shut out uh, on Sunday. And you're like, okay, we can just write write the epitaph on uh, the Mariners' season. And since, since then, there's, they're like, no, we will fight like Lions. And they've been really good lately. And they've jumped back into the playoff hunt. Yeah, I mean, there's enough talent there that it shouldn't be too surprising. And they're doing all this with – Jared Kelnick in the minors, not that he ever produced much in the majors, but he's got to be coming up at the start of the second half, right? 9.59 OPS in 41 AAA games. Strikeout rate is a little high, but just over 26%. That's really high for back AAA, up, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but for a guy who's at 37.5 in the majors, 
But you know, doesn't that, I think that just that illustrates there. that there's a big leap between AAA and the majors, especially for certain players that are strikeout prone. I mean, I always look for that. I mean, I always look at K percentage from AAA hitters. I mean, at that point, because you're starting to see now at AAA, some pitchers can locate at least. And, you know, so they're, they're you know, strikeout guys that strike out a lot more. They're going to kind of show it a little bit more. And then there's that big leap and stuff plus location at the big league level. And so it's not like two or three percent higher. It's 10 percent higher. So if he's. 26 triple a that's probably 36 again in the majors and then you're looking at 210 again right yeah he probably needs to be what at least 30 29 in the majors to really be a a useful everyday player so i guess this means you're probably not bidding much when he comes back up no well they got hanniger coming back soon they've got kyle lewis coming back soon i think they might just keep him down um, I haven't seen any notes. I haven't seen any notes one way or another. I, I don't have any Kelnick anymore, so I haven't been really tracking all the notes. Of when's he coming back? Right, you know, because I'm just kind of like I wa- one league I had him, I washed my hands of him. Um, yeah, so, I never actually had him in the first place. I just saw his minor yeah. league numbers and figured, hey, let's let's stash him for a couple weeks for a buck, see what happens. That was a whiff on for me and uh, Yahoo friends and family. I, I whiffed on that one there, and that's a 16 teamer. You miss you miss a tenth round pick there. It it, it hurts. Uh, because you know the replacement value is so nil. I, I've got like some really. I got, I got Matt, Matt Veerling active in that league. That's how yeah. uh, much I've been struggling to fill all my hitting spots. I trade for an outfield and he gets hurt right away. In Austin Hayes, uh, so it goes. It happens. But uh, yeah, uh, Mariners. I mean, Jesse Winker has caught fire after a miserable start to the season. Eugenio Suarez is you know he he's slugging. He's doing what he does, except he's hitting two forty while doing it. Two forty is fine. When you hit 210 and you do what he does, it it hurts. Yeah, and if you look at his expected numbers, well, I guess the last two years he was expected to hit 215, but mm-hmm. he was never quite that bad. He shouldn't have been at the very bottom. I don't think 190 was the expectation. I do think somewhere 220-ish where he has some years where he's 30 points below that, some years where he's 30 points above that. I mean, right. It's not like he's striking out Joey Gallo levels. He's usually high 20s. Just with that really high launch angle, that means he's not getting hardly any Babbitt luck on grounders falling through and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Suarez with 114 strikeouts though so far this season. I mean, that's 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 still pretty high. But you know what? He's doing. He, he's playing better defense. He's back at third base where he belongs. It's actually you know his his walk percentage is up a little bit. That helps. And you know that there he's doing what the Mariners expected out of him. Remember, Winker was the prize in that deal. They took on Suarez's contract to get Winker, basically, is the way it looked. And, hey, the Reds won financial flexibility for points unknown. Uh, but, anyways, I'm not a bitter, jaded Reds fan, so we'll, we'll move past that. Um, yeah, are you not enjoying your owner's new yacht? Is that not bringing uh, you personal joy? It, oh, yes. Where else am I going to go? Yeah, elsewhere. But, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, Braves-Mets, big series. A lot of big series. There's, you know, your Jays are hosting. I mean, your your Phils are visiting your former Jays. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got Rays and Red Sox going on. Uh, a lot of big series here, but Braves Mets. Max Scherzer came up big last night. Uh, outdueled Max Freed. Uh, that was a battle to the max, I guess. Uh, and you now that's what they got Scherzer for was just the, that type of game. Yeah, and they've been able to withstand, you know, an injury to the best pitcher in baseball and still lead a competitive division. Helps when you have, you know, on pure talent, what is Scherzer? Fifth best-ish, five to eight, somewhere in there still. Obviously, he comes with the injury risk, so he might fall a bit behind that in fantasy drafts. But 
you know, when you when you've got two guys that good, you can handle one of them being out that long. If Degrom does come back and is fine, and they don't get hit with too many other injuries, maybe they do start to pull away. But right, I mean, Atlanta's competitive. I, I don't think it should have been a big surprise that they've fought their way back in this. Yeah, well, Atlanta caught fire. They uh, they they found the weak spot of their schedule, and they added Michael Harris, and I think that was huge. Uh, getting him to play center field. We talked, Scott Jensen and I talked a lot about him on Sunday. We both love him. Uh, he's playing great defense in addition to uh, filling in that that big hole in their lineup there too. So, uh, you know, that, that, that was massive. And now they get Kenley back probably as early as tonight. I know he did a, a simulated game yesterday. So maybe they'll hold off one day and using him. Maybe not. We'll see. But that just lengthens out that bullpen a little bit more and they need that. Um Big, big series right now. They want to be able to keep touch with the Mets. They need to win at least one of these games. Yeah, Harris is basically the answer to what if Christian Pache actually had a bat. And it's working out quite well. Good for them to call him up straight from double A, right? We'd love yep. to see that from a team that needs a player and just says, you know what? He's ready. Let's just take a chance. He's our best best option. Let's go for it. Forget about service time. Just let's go. And that worked out really well for them. I like seeing teams rewarded for that, too. Um, and you know, they, last year, I mean, they didn't get, they didn't swing for the fences and get the big name, but they got, they addressed what they needed last year. They got Soler, they got, uh, Peterson, they got Rosario. Rosario's back now, by the way. Uh, I think he doubled his RBI total for the season to two. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I it was astounding. It's more not to take a pot shot at him so much as to note that, wow, he really was on the struggle bus before he, uh, got uh, sidelined with the eye issue and obviously that was a that was a big factor in that too yeah i also couldn't hit major league pitching if i couldn't see very well uh, so yeah. don't don't want to blame him too much for that but I'd that's like your to excuse see... and you're sticking by it yes that's right yeah i mean my well i guess i have glasses so i guess i can see now but if yeah. not for that i'm sure we'd both be this there. close this yeah. close that and me being old and stuff but yeah oh well um yeah, not having the talent, but whatever. But uh, yeah, Dansby Swanson made the uh, All Star team. Part of your barometer fantasy uh, and your your fantasy All Stars and your latest MLB barometer. You know, I'm a huge Dansby stand, so I was very happy to see that. Yeah, I really hadn't even noticed just how good he is. I don't know. This happens to me sometimes, where you know a guy's doing pretty well, but yeah, six forty four OPS in April, but since then. Uh, he'd be top 15 in in uh, batting average runs, steals, and RBI, and he's 22nd in homers. Just an all-around force everywhere. That speed is the new thing, too. He never stolen more than 10 bases in a yeah, season. I, right. That's right. Uh, and, yeah, I, that, the thing is, I always thought he was like a 2010 guy, you know, and right. now it might be 25-25, which would be awesome. I don't expect that him to keep running at that pace, actually. I think as as everybody gets healthy, everybody's back. They may need him to, you know, say hey, stay healthy, don't run as often. You know, he's not like he's fragile or anything. He's not on the Buxton plan, but I just don't think he'll run as frequently. Yeah, he's also got a pretty high BABIP this year, so not everything's going to stick there. But I think when you're better than your baseline in multiple different areas at once, you got to like that because you know, say he doesn't run as much, but he's still hitting more than usual, or maybe he doesn't hit quite as much as he was, but he's still running more than usual. I mean, everything, anything but a complete collapse of all of those improvements leaves him as, you know, better than the guy you drafted him to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I, my, my, I was on my soapbox in draft season that he wasn't being, val- he had his breakout and he wasn't getting priced accordingly. Um, and, you know, 
Good for me. Uh, I got, I got, I have a lot of them because of that there. Um, it was a couple years with a barrel rate up north of 11%. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta like that. Even if he mm-hmm. strikes out a bit much and wasn't running, yeah. that probably should have cued us all into that. There was something a little bit more there. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Yay, Swan, uh, Dansby. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of Eric's barometer. We'll talk a little bit about his Phillies. But uh, first, a note from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All the Rotowire podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network, and we are happy to be there and happy to play their ads. So thank you for indulging us there. Uh, Let's talk about your article. Uh, You do the MLB barometer every week for us. Uh, and this week it was the fantasy all-stars and always fun to kind of look at each player, each position, not necessarily the best player at each position, but going by profit, basically, uh, assume is your methodology. Yeah, I wasn't th- this week. I was doing more subjective, but pretty much trying to stick with, you know, the fantasy league winners, the guy you drafted with a mid late round pick or the guy you even maybe picked up in April, but is performing like a third rounder. We could just go with the top earned value at every position, but that's less of an article and more of a, hey, just click on this leaderboard. So right. I picked out a bunch of my 
favorites. Mostly, yep. though, just, it's an excuse to talk about Alejandro Kirk again, I think. Exactly. These are the Alejandro Kirk All-Stars, and I think you and Rob Silver have been the biggest advocates for him, and Kirk has lived up to all that there. Uh, 10% barrel rate and only a 9% K percentage. Uh, that, that's, it's crazy good, especially from a catcher, too, for crying out loud. Yeah, 23-year-old catcher. I think it's it's beyond crazy good. I don't know if people realize just how unprecedented that combination of skills is guys who strike out in the single digits don't have power. That's like, that's a rule almost right. They're They're Luis Arias's they're David Fletcher's it's, it's all but guaranteed. So I took a look at the guys who had a single digit strikeout rate in at least 250 plate appearances in the stat cast era. Kirk's got the highest barrel rate. Only one guy is even within three points of him. And that's peak Daniel Murphy. Uh, people might remember late Daniel Murphy as someone oh, yeah. not that amazing, but peak Daniel Murphy, his combination of elite contact with some good power. Nobody else even has an above average barrel rate. In third place, it's Jose Ramirez at just 6.6%. And it's Jose Altuve and Buster Posey round out the top five, but in years where they actually weren't hitting for a ton of power. There's just actually nobody like what Alejandro Kirk is doing right now. Nobody has above average power with this few strikeouts. Yeah. Although it's worth noting that uh, Jose Ramirez is doing that this year too. And it informs a lot about how good of a season he's having. Right. Although Ramirez has dropped his barrel rate early in the season. Ramirez was my go-to comp for Kirk and saying, Hey, look, he's basically Jose Ramirez, but at catcher, uh, he's not barreling the ball quite as much recently, but a good season, you know, the best Jose Ramirez seasons, do look a lot like what Alejandro Kirk is doing now, plus a bit of speed. Yeah, He's getting, finally, he's getting pitched around more. Uh, Today uh, against the White Sox, I saw he fouled off a pitch. It's 0-1. They didn't like that swing, so they intentionally walked him after that. It's it's only the second weirdest intentional walk involving the White Sox this year. I was going to say, did did Joe Madden take over for Tony La Russa or something? Well, no, remember the Justin Turner intentional walk earlier? Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Just was that was like brutal. clearly I think wrong. It was with two strikes. Face. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, it, it, it was crazy. Uh, I think in that case, a, a runner advanced, so that's why he did it. But right, it it was. I think it was zero and two. Yeah, yeah, it was something really bizarre. Uh, it they, it they was as if he was trying to go by the math, like he was trying to be clever, right? Because hey, right, you know, the situation's changed now. Suddenly, the math says go for a walk, but the right. math didn't come close to say go for a walk right it was and i definitely devil is over managing yeah and actually i th- i think they did it to pitch to turner and then turner homered i think it was yeah they intentionally right. launched Ma- max muncie that's it yes and then and turner homered right. after that which is just beautiful love it there uh but uh yeah no, good times there so alejandro kirk we could talk for a while on him i love him share, share your love with him not i, I don't have him on enough leagues but i have him in some places there uh, I do. By the way, the Jays just activated Danny Jansen today, and they sent down uh, uh, they, they sent down his uh, the other battery mate there, uh, Gabriel Moreno. So it's Kirk DHing a lot and Jansen behind the plate. The pitchers apparently really like pitching to Jansen, so watch for that. It means guys like Tapia and Biggio are going to lose some playing time. Yeah, and I think though that's why I never was worried about Kirk, given despite that crowded catcher situation. Though, is his bat is just good enough that. He should be an everyday DH if that was a thing the Blue Jays felt they needed to employ. Right. They needed to never use him at catcher. He's there. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of playing time for those other fringy guys that you mentioned. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. 
let's let's I'm not gonna hit every player in your article, but let's talk a little John Rudy. Um man, I have 0.0% roster ship of John Birdie. I don't have him anywhere. I had him in places last year. I'm in 20 roto leagues, Eric. I don't have him anywhere. So June kind of sucked for me, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think I picked him up maybe one place and got a good amount of steals, but certainly wasn't on him before the season. It didn't really look like he was going to play all that often. And when he went down with an injury, I guess it was COVID actually for him early in the year. Up to that point, he was starting less than half their game. So I bet a lot of people who did invest in Birdie dropped him. I mean, why would you keep around you know, a bench player when he's on the injured list? So I bet there's a lot of people who missed out on, what was it, 25 steals in – 37 games since he returned. Yeah, and he's had a couple of three-hit games last week against the Mets. Of course, he wasn't in the lineup yesterday against Mitch Keller. And more famously, he wasn't in the lineup against Noah Syndergaard, so we couldn't see the singularity between the guy that can't get caught and the guy that can't stop anybody. Um, It would have been like, if he could have gotten on base, he could have had like second, third, and home. Second, third, and home every time. It just, I don't know. Uh, Probably not home. but uh, Going for that 10-steal game. Yeah, be like uh, there was a game the Padres um, stole like eight bases against the Rockies one time. Um, God, I want to say it was in like the early 2000s, but um, it was just one of those games you'd look like, like one guy had like five stolen bases and, you know, they, they just were running wild against him. But that's what happens with Thor. Everybody takes their turn to run against him. Yeah, was that Birdie's original emergence? I remember he came up like late September in his first year as this late 20s guy who had done nothing in the minors and he stole like three bases in a game, it may have even been against Syndergaard. And that's, that's what got him noticed, I think, that despite yeah. playing in just like 10 games that year. So 2019, he had like four games in 2000 uh, with the Jays in 2018. But 2019 uh, is when he really made his first initial impact, had like 17 stolen bases that year. And trying to see, uh, he had a two stolen base game against the Rays. Uh, and then against the Mets, he actually didn't do anything in that, but that was in August trying to see if he got called up earlier. No. Yeah, actually he might've, uh, anyhow, you can look through the 2019 game logs. They're on four, a four player page. Four steals on September 24th, 2019. There you go. There you have I'm it. I'm guessing that was a Thor game. Yeah, it probably was. Uh, it was. Brandon, Brandon Drury, your third baseman on this list. Hey, you want to talk about a guy who's just a middling career as at one point we thought he was a power option. You know, I remember when he was a diamondback prospect when he came up and he was first getting playing time, you know, then he was the guy holding back Vlad. Now he's a guy with career barrel rates and exit velocities and hard hit rates and all that. Yeah. Is this sustainable? Yeah. He was the epitome of a forgettable guy. So there's two different ways that you can talk about something being sustainable, right? There's one, hey, he's shown this level in the past, so why wouldn't he continue showing this level in the future? That's definitely not him. The other way you could talk about it, though, is, hey, the underlying numbers really back this up. And mm-hmm. that is him. I mean, a barrel rate of 12.3%, 12%, uh, strikeout rate around 22%. Guys who have numbers that look a lot like that this year are guys like Matt Olson, Nelson Cruz. I guess it's the old version of Nelson Cruz, but still. He's hitting the ball like a very solid power bat. So as long as he keeps making the same kind of contact, he's going to have similar results. Now, it's obviously way tougher for us to say, you know, is a guy going to keep, 
you know, having the underlying performance that he's never shown before, but at least in terms of, you know, does he, has he earned what he's done this year? He, he's, I think he certainly has. Have you probably watched much more of him than most people? Cause I don't think many people have bothered <laughs> to watch a ton of Reds games. Does he, Why? when you watch him in the box, does he look like, Hey, this is a legitimate above average. Yeah, he does. Player? He does. I was just going to say, if you're sitting on Bob Castellini's yacht, you've been invited as the Reds GM to come visit him on his yacht, give him some shrimp or something. Uh, and he asks you, what are you going to do with Brandon Drury? What, what's your answer? Do you trade him? I mean, don't they kind of have to? You don't want to go down to nothing left, but he is, what, 29, is he? Yeah. 29, 30. He's a free agent, too, isn't he? Yeah, or is he like still a... under... Yeah. You know, so, I don't, I don't see how he was signed a one-year deal. He was a free agent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't he, see any point unless you can work out like a two-year, thirty million extension or something. I don't know what what's fair. I wouldn't necessarily want to be locked in long-term to a twenty-nine-year-old who's had half of one good season. Right. But, exactly. But I think they could get something real from him, right? I mean, this is a guy who's got some defensive versatility, who's really earned his very strong numbers this year. I think he might find you a prospect or two that you didn't think you were going to get heading into the year. Yeah. And, and, and in a market where there's not too many obvious sellers, I think that that has to be, you know, they have to really think hard on that. I think they really got to shop around at the very least. I mean, Luis Castillo is the best pitcher that's purportedly on the market. I think um, I would be surprised if he does not go. Uh, it, if he didn't go, it's only because they found the offers wanting. And, you know, you'll, you start hearing that the Reds are asking too much for Luis Castillo stories, you know, from the rival GM planning that story with, uh, you know, John Heyman or whatever. Uh, you, you'll see those type of stories. Bob Nightingale, for sure. Bob Nightingale, definitely. Every seller is going to ask for too much this year, right? Isn't that going to be the main effect of the extra wildcard spot? If there's fewer sellers, that means every single seller, you know, they, they know what they're sitting on. They're not competing with many other sellers. I think we are going to see some high prices for some guys sold at the deadline this year. Right. I wonder how active the buyers will be though. I mean, like the Jays should be going after a starting pitcher. Absolutely. The Phillies, your Phillies. I mean, you have a GM that historically has always been a buyer who wants to win. He does not know what a long-term plan is. He's all about winning now. I, I, by the way, I'm ha- I'd be happy to have that. I think, although just don't let him build a bullpen uh, yeah. because he seems to have issues with that. But uh yeah, let's let's morph into Phillies talk here. Um, first of all, you know, we'll start with the question from DJ Mel. What do you think of Nick Castellanos? He expected more than eight homers at this point. I did too. He went like a month without one. Yeah, I expected more too. I would say the Phillies from Castellanos and Schwerber have gotten collectively probably what they expected. And I guess maybe that's why you buy two DHs with a lot of power is because you'll get one good one. Things don't look way off for Castellanos, but he is off in pretty much all the underlying numbers. Barrel rate has been above 10% for four straight years. It's at seven and a half this year, which is mm-hmm. you know meaningfully down. It's not like it's completely cratered, but it's, it's definitely uh, a big step down. His hard hit rate is way down, down over 12 points from where it was last year. He's making a little bit less contact than he did most recent seasons, but a 23.3% strikeout rate isn't that bad. So I'd say on the whole, he only seems slightly off, but it it is real. His struggles are 
you know, they are in line with those underlying numbers. Yeah. Now, will that continue? It's, it's pretty hard to say. I think though, it's nice in a way to have that insurance of a guy who's clearly underperforming, but has a long track record of being way better than this. When a guy like Schwarber, you know, eventually realizes it's no longer June and falls off a bit. I think the Phillies can say it's, it's pretty likely that Castellanos can pick up some of the slack, but he's right. been a real disappointment and it matches that underlying numbers there. Yeah. Um, Schwarber has worked out uh, as a, four, in his four year, $79 million deal. Castellanos in his five for a hundred, not so much. And we, I just thought that, you know, Hey, Philly's a great landing spot for him. And it just, Hasn't quite worked out that way, but again, we're talking half a season here too. You know, he can catch fire, you know, at any point here, and that can change things a little bit. Um, they're, they're right now they're playing better ball than they were when Bryce Harper was carrying the team. Weirdly enough, uh, maybe it's because they're waiting for him to carry the team the whole time. Yeah, or is now the day when we finally say, "Oh, wait, managers do make a huge difference." We should have known all along. Us uh, stat heads have been saying managers don't matter but i think they've won two-thirds of their game since joe girardi's been gone is that coincidence or do you find that uh it's being managed differently um other than maybe the bullpen uh you know it's funny that when they fired gabe capra was like oh at least we got a pro in here in joe girardi he'll manage the bullpen better and the bullpen's still trash i doubt it's done much because i still am a stat head who doesn't think that managers do a ton although as a fan i was thrilled about the move. I just don't think, has there ever been any point in Joe Girardi's career where someone said, wow, what a Joe Girardi move right there. I just don't think he <laughs> adds a lot in contrast to a Gabe Kapler where you're like, oh, wow, that was, that sure looked like a Gabe Kapler game out there, which isn't always good, but I kind of want my managers to at least have something, have a signature, even like a Joe Madden. You know, he made some weird yeah. mistakes especially maybe late career Joe Madden isn't the guy you want, but on the whole, I'm more interested in a guy who at least does something. It never really felt like Joe Girardi was doing anything to adjust the trajectory of the team. It seemed like he was just kind of there and generally not screwing up too badly, but it never really felt like he was adding to the team's win percentage. Yeah. I hear you on that. I mean, there is that desire to do something. You always see that. Um, Sometimes do something is just hilariously, tragically wrong, uh, depending on your viewpoint there. Whether it's uh, Joe Madden intentionally walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded, or Tony La Russa doing his thing. I mean, that's doing something, but maybe you know, maybe just step away a little bit there. But in that case, but I also also think you know the composition of the team. Younger team, maybe you have one type of managing style. Older team, maybe a different. Maybe you know, it's just it's like an absence of you know. Girardi interpersonally. I don't know. I, I don't really know that aspect of it there. I don't know the man, don't know how he related to the Phillies players, but often that uh, that does happen. Uh, so you kind of want look, you look at that there. Um, the news on we have news on the Phillies front. Uh, Alec Baum, uh, Baum got hurt last night, sliding in the second base, hurt his finger, doesn't, didn't look good, looked really bad. Um, you know, dislocated ring finger. We'll see how long he's going to be out uh but he was already going to not make the trip to toronto anyhow he's one of the uh the philly four that weren't going to make the trip due to vaccination status yeah unfortunately we got a few too many of those uh to be fair aaron nola and kyle gibson weren't gonna pitch in this two game series anyway and i think gibson has cited some 
interaction between medicines he's taking as his reason. But mm-hmm. losing JT Real Muto, losing your catcher because he decided to not fulfill the requirements to cross the border, pretty disappointing. I mean, it's only two yeah. games, but you'd like to see guys making themselves available for the whole season if possible. Right. Two games, right? It's only two games. Yeah, it's just, just a two-game series. Yeah, two games. He and uh, Boehm were going to miss in this year. Yeah. And they've lost a lot of infielders, too. I mean, we, they had the really bad injury to Gene Segura. That was a killer. Uh, I think it's especially because they're forced now to roll Bryson Stott on a regular basis and Didi Gregorius. And you kind of want one or the other defensively and maybe get something better. Uh, but here we are. Uh, now you're down your third baseman. You obviously are out Harper. You know, even like backups like Maton and Camargo are also hurt, too. So they're, they're really digging kind of deep in their infield slots right now. Sounds like a branded jury destination. I mean, if this Alec Baum thing is more than temporary, seems like a pretty good fit. Because the one thing about the Phillies is it's not like we have a lot in store to go buying, guys. There are a couple good young pitchers, but this is not a deep system. Phillies well, yeah. have never had a deep system. This is one of the reasons this rebuild has dragged on for so long is you're supposed to start a rebuild with – you're supposed to tear down and then have a top five farm system and you know rely on those players to get you there. I don't think the Phillies have had a top fifteen farm system in a decade. So. See, also Dave Dombrowski, though. I mean, that, you know, yeah. want to have a top five farm system? Don't go. Don't bring him on board. They don't have a prospect in the RotoWire top four hundred. Uh, the highest rated prospect, according to James Anderson, is Mick Abel at uh, one twenty five. Andrew Painter at one thirty four. I, you know, that it's there's not too much in the cupboard there to even deal, like you said. Right, and they've seemed hesitant to want to let go of either of those good young pitchers because they just yeah. you know, they don't really develop guys very well either there's been a lot of a lot of flaws in this organization at pretty much all levels which is why we have the longest drought in the national league longest playoff drought so it's either they part with one or two of those good young pitchers and try to make something of a splash but i think the phillies probably are looking at a brand injury type Unless, unless he's too expensive too, but I can't imagine he costs that much for you know half a season. Right. Well, especially because financially it doesn't cost anything. Right. So that's the other thing too. And that's what makes him a good trade piece, by the way. If you're worried about a luxury tax threshold, well, Brandon Drury's your guy uh, because right. he costs nothing. Uh, so th- that's one way. To, I, I, that'll be interesting to see of how much teams care about that. You know, like. You know, the Dodgers, I think they're already going to be paying a draft price. Uh, they, they're going to be punished uh, for exceeding the threshold last year. You know, how, are they going to deal with the compounding of it there? Or are they going to really pay heed to that a little bit? Um, we mentioned the Phillies farm system. I mean, the failure of guys like Moniak and, you know, Kingery. Kingery, you know, him not developing it was just a really bad blow to this organization. Because you're expect they signed him before he ever played a you know played a game in the major league level. You you thought that okay he's going to be one of those regulars and he can't even keep a major league roster spot, let alone a starting roster spot. Yeah, and to make things even sadder as a Phillies fan, I think his deal was pretty similar to Ozzy Albies's. It yep. was a little cheaper, but it was signed around the same time. They're around the same age. Uh, one of those guys is a perennial All Star. The other guy is a below average triple a player at this point it uh, could, couldn't have been much uglier there yeah but again like it's not, not not like there's been a whole lot of other guys who've turned out a whole lot better well yeah and you know for every quote-unquote bad deal a young guy signs like acuna or albies there's there's kingery there's jonathan singleton right. uh you know 
there's risk involved on both sides of the coin. Uh, and that, that's, that's really the, the illustration here. Uh, so yeah, I, and you know, missing on guys like that. And I think Moniac was a super, super high draft pick too. I mean, the opportunity cost, you know, you don't get to draft that high very often. And when you, when you miss, Oh, it's just brutal. Yeah. The Phillies did have the bad luck of that was the year. They were the number one pick and there really just wasn't a number one level. Yeah. It was one, number year. one overall. That's right. Yeah. So it looks even worse. But there yeah. wasn't another guy that all the analysts were saying, man, you should get this guy. People said, sure, Moniak is you know, probably about as good as the other choices. They actually went a little bit cheaper to get him, so maybe he would have been about the fourth or fifth. Yeah. And then the guy they drafted with the savings blew out his elbow right away. So there was a world in which it made some sense. It was a tough scenario. Again, I don't know who else they were supposed to get. Right. But man, it wasn't a Harper draft. It wasn't a Strasburg right. draft. Yeah. Right. Probably, I think, the weakest pool of number one candidates in the last decade. And that just so happened to be the year the Phillies were number one. But still, that's not an excuse for even if we say Moniac would have been the eighth pick most years, you got to get something out of that guy. Yeah, can confirm. Here's the top 10 in that 2016 draft Moniac, Nick Senzel. Yeah. Hasn't worked out. I blame the Reds for screwing him up, not him, but we'll see. Ian Anderson. Yeah, okay, he's having a fallback here this year a little bit, though. Riley Pint for the Colorado Rockies. No, is he out of baseball? He might be. He was a high school pitcher from Kansas. Corey Ray for the Brewers. Didn't work out. AJ Puck to be determined. Go where the puck's moving, not where he's been. Uh, But sorry, had to make the joke. Uh, Braxton Garrett. We're seeing him finally in the bigs. He's okay, but he's not. not. Not looking like a number one kind of guy for sure. Cal Quantrill. Pitched yesterday, got a win, but again, not a star, just a fourth starter. Uh, and Matt Manning, hurt. Yeah. Zach Collins. Kyle, Kyle Lewis is probably somewhere coming up. He's soon. 11. Josh 11, Lowe is 13. Kirilov, 15. Forrest Whitley, 17. That one could have been really right. good, but wasn't. Gavin Lux at 20, finally hitting for average, yeah. but not much power and a horrible defender still. Um, not, I, I don't see a star yet. Um, yeah, Eric Lauer having a pretty good year, but yeah. Uh, Carter Key Bust instead yeah. of Key Boom. Um, Will Smith, the, the catcher at 32 by the Dodgers in the compensatory. I guess if he That's did a redraft, he's number one, right? But obviously he was not in contention for number one if he went 32. Yeah, that's really, that's a, it's a rough look. Um, the competitive balance round, Nick Lodolo went in that. Um, he, he's he's going to be pretty good, I think, someday. But yeah. he was hurt. He's taking his time. Uh, but, yeah, not a whole lot of sure things in there. So, yeah, it was a tough draft to have number one over pick. You're right. Uh, pretty bad stuff there. Uh, let's go on. Let's move on. Uh, quick question from Matt Lee, Leahy. Uh, do you think they'll make Sir, Sir Anthony Dominguez the closer or continue to use him as a high-leverage reliever? Yes, since, since Canable lost the closer job – in, it was mid-June. He like had a weekend where he experienced some shoulder issue while warming up. And then instead of going to the injured list, they said, yeah, let's give you one more shot. Right. He was Always. terrible. And they still didn't actually send him to the injured list. They just took him out of the firing line in the closer role. Since then, I think it's three saves for Dominguez, three for Brad Hand, one for Knable again yeah. recently. Although that seemed to be because those other two guys uh, weren't available that night. Also one for Andrew Bellotti, who's actually a, a nice find. I don't think he should close many games, but 
the one thing the Phillies did do right, I think, or the biggest thing they did right, is they brought in this assistant GM who I've never heard of from the Rays. And that's what I've always wanted the Phillies to do is bring in guys I've never heard of from the Rays. And this guy's <laughs> what 28-year-old, I believe his name is Annie Kalambi. I don't think anybody out there is up on assistant GM prospects, but supposedly he's this bullpen whiz. I think the only fruit so far is Bilotti, who was a 30-year-old with basically no experience before then and is striking out over 30% of batters this year. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't want him as a closer, but he's a legitimate piece. This is maybe not notable for anybody else, but as a Phillies fan, we don't ever hit on these guys. We never no. pull a guy off the scrap heap and have him be a legitimate piece. So he's in the mix. I see nothing that says it's not going to continue to be some sort of committee. I wish it was Dominguez. I think he's clearly the Phillies' best pitcher, but they haven't shown any signs that they're looking to move off that committee. In theory, the right-left committee between him and Hand makes some sense, although Hand's right. underlying numbers are so sketchy that I'm not I'm not at all confident in that. He's, he's worse than average in strikeouts, walks, and ground balls. I don't know why that guy is pitching in the ninth, except that he's, I guess, escaped enough jams. Well, but I see no no suggestion that it's about to change, even though I wish it would. The Phillies are compiled. They, they compi- you know, a lot of the bullpen building was compiled of guys we've heard of before that aren't quite at their right. peak. Jose Alvarado, Uris Familia, Hand, Canable. Yeah. Canable at least, Canable was pretty good for a while last year. I still hold some hope on him bouncing back. It's just a question of can he, is he really 100%? But yeah, he I showed really some like that signing. I, I hated the other signings, but I really liked Canable signing. I thought he was yep. the best reliever the Phillies had since, I guess, Jonathan Papp won. But it's it's gone bad in pretty much every way since yeah. he was taken out of the role his era might be okay but i think it's nine strikeouts against six walks so not much of a hint of a turnaround sure. there i don't think so what are the phillies going to do at the deadline they're they're buyers still right definitely buyers but again i don't think a big buy is coming because i just don't think they have the pieces in the cupboard i think they look for some relief help. Every team always looks for some relief help. And I think they get an infielder depending on how long Alec Bohm's out. Obviously right. it'd be nice to finally have a good center fielder, which we haven't had in, you know, since Shane Victorino, but I don't know if there's one out there, the price range of the, they're Phillies hard to find. Afford. You know, if you yeah. play in a sim league, you start to realize really quick how far hard it is to find a good center fielder. And you got to hold those guys like they're gold. Right, there's only so many guys who can even defend center field adequately, and the pool of those guys who hit well enough that you're excited about them is quite small. So maybe I saw Michael Taylor mentioned somewhere as mm-hmm. not something that's going to happen, but the kind of thing that could happen. He would be inexpensive and can defend center field. I think yeah. it's going to be Michael Taylor's and Brandon Drury's uh, more than anything too big. I think you're probably right. I think actually that's that's probably all things considered a pretty good fit and wouldn't cost them that much either. Uh, currently sitting 46 and 41, they are in the wild card right now. Uh, they did lose the last two games, unfortunately for them. But uh, now two game series at Toronto. We mentioned the the non vaxxed uh, but uh, you know now they have to deal with uh, Toronto, a team that is on the slide right now. They are in a bad way. They've lost four in a row. They want they're one and nine in the last ten. They are still the last wild card. They're similar, 45 and 42. I mean, these are similar teams when you think about it. I mean, in terms of performance versus expectation at the very least, we thought they'd be better at this point in time. 
Toronto is better at home than they are on the road. Uh, they do get Danny Jansen back. Yeah, Toronto could really use Vlad looking like Vlad. I feel like that's probably the biggest difference. He's mm-hmm. just looking at war. He's just below two war. You might have hoped that he was worth about four wins at this point. He hasn't been bad. I mean, a 130 WRC plus, you're not going to complain about that. But if he starts looking more like himself, if Bo Bichette starts looking more like himself, he's been basically a league average hitter. And you've yeah. got those two guys who, again, aren't, aren't they're far from terrible, but they're a noticeable step back from expectations that's going to lead to you underperforming by about two or three wins. I, I think those are probably the three wins right there. I guess throwing Jose Barrios, too, who Ugh. really looks shaky this year. He's been a replacement level pitcher, according to fan graphs. Yeah. So there's Better a few big start. names there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Brios goes tonight. Things, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah. Bo is 25 for 26 on the bases last year, five for 10 this year. Um, maybe he was, just, I mean, he, he was obviously very good at that. But when, when you get, you know, it's not worth running that often if you're going to get caught half the time. And that's the thing that's a danger is that he maybe he runs less, which is what would follow from his, like his career. But when he's coming up as a prospect, when he stole 25 bases last year, it was a little bit of a surprise. He had the 32 stolen base year one year at, in 2018, but he also got caught 11 times. So, yeah, seeing that great success rate at, on the base pass that young is is not that not that common. It's, you know, there's one thing to be fast. It's another thing to be good at stealing bases. Right, only eight total steals in seventy-five games over his first two years. Two, and so maybe maybe we should have expected more, like fifteen this season. Although, again, like you said, doesn't look like we're even going to get that. Yeah, Jays need pitching. Uh, you say Kikuchi did not work out. He's on with, uh, yeah. the IL with a fake injury right now, uh, but he, he's just been awful. Kevin Gossman's hurt right now. Uh, he, he missed last week. A lot of people had him active with the day-to-day and. Tough call again this week, too, for that matter. It looks like he'll probably pitch, but still. Yeah, and Alec Manoa also, he's got a great ERA, but he's he's seems to be in over his head, according to a lot of the ERA estimators. Like, XFIP has him a run and a half behind. So if he starts falling off, and if Gausman's injury is more than a short-term one, suddenly that rotation goes from what looked like quite a strength Right. To, you know, a massive weakness for a contender. They really exactly. need Manoa to keep, I think, pitching above his head there. They really, I mean, I think they need to add at least one pitcher at the break, maybe one reliever too. But this is something they've needed in other years too. Yeah. But they're, again, they're, they're not that far. So if you get the rebound from the big bats, if you got that extra wild card spot, I'm not too worried about their playoff chances. Obviously, they're going to be in a real fight. It doesn't feel to me like they need many pieces. The talent, I think, is still there. I think they're in more of a need of a bounce back from their key pieces and then maybe one addition rather than you know needing a whole bunch. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, the Orioles are nipping at their heels and the Orioles have a great farm system coming up. So they're a team on the rise. The Red Sox are above them with a lot of money to spend if they want to. Uh, the Rays are, I think the Rays are in a bad way too. I think that's one thing going in the Jays' favor is the Rays. I mean, they, we just talked about Wander Franco being down for a good chunk of time. Uh, they've had countless injuries and a lot of bad hitting. Yeah, we just kind of assume that the Rays are always going to be fine, even if they've lost half their team, because we <laughs> assume that the next guy's up. I mean, they have to be good. They're on the Rays. 
but right. you know, it doesn't necessarily actually work like that. We assume that they're always going to have this great bullpen full of nobodies, but when they lose so many guys, and I think it's, it's no surprise that they're not quite what everybody thought they were going to be. And if they really are without Franco for almost the whole season, I think no amount of Isaac Paredes is, is going to make up for that. Right, right. I think we had a nice little window with him, but uh, we'll see how far that goes. They really need like Josh Lowe to actually you know, yeah. perform anything close to what they had hoped for. Vidal Brujan got sent back down. Uh, he, he can't hit major league pitching. They're getting Brandon Lyle back uh, maybe uh, this weekend. Uh, so that could be big for them. They just they need something out there as a stopgap. Yeah, Lau, I mean, he's one of the best hitting middle infielders out there, so he'd, he'd be a huge get. Yeah. But, man, Bruhan, like you mentioned, him just looking so lost. I liked him a lot of places. I, I really thought with that speed and his positional versatility, he's going to find a role even if he's like a 90 WRC plus guy. But what was he? He was like 50 or 60. Or something. He was nowhere right. near competitive. And I, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought he'd be a below average but capable hitter who fills in everywhere. So I think that that's a big Well, he looked overwhelmed last year in his call-up. Yeah. Like, you know – striking out a huge percentage of the time and that to me is it cooled my interest on him this year i think of their you know path of playing time was hard to find now it turns out the path was there and he still didn't take it so you know that that's even more frustrating is he could have established himself with lao and franco out and and, and uh, losing manny margot was a big loss for this team they lost kiermaier again and he still can't he still can't force his way on there. That that's the thing that's really frustrating. If you have him in a keeper league and in a dynasty format, you really have to be pretty wary of him going forward. Yeah, I just figured with so many triple A games under his belt, there was nothing left to prove that they'd have to find a spot. But is this a rare loss for the Rays player development, or was he just never all that good? And us, us fantasy guys were blinded by the speed, maybe. A little column A, a little column B, maybe. We'll see. Um you know, honestly, I was going to talk about our, our keeper league and uh, our two keeper leagues, but you know, we're, we're, we've already gone an hour, so I think we're going to scrap that today. But uh, anything I'll, else I'll you want to throw in that you're winning one of them in case you wanted to mention that? Oh, yeah. In the only league, I had a really nice set of keepers, all super cheap and spent big. And the guys I spent big on in the auction have done well. So that's a good formula. Have good yeah. good keepers and buy, buy good players. It, it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I, I tried to do that. It works sometimes. It is not working in those two particular leagues. So, oh, no, we don't have a time to talk about either of them. Yeah, that's right. Well, Ryan Helsley is a golden god. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Um, all right, Eric, good stuff. Really appreciate you coming on doing this today. Uh, we're not going to do a podcast next Tuesday because uh, of the Vegas trip. You're going to Vegas, right? Yeah, I'll see you there. Looking forward right. to it. I'm really looking forward to that, too. We'll probably do some video hits from there. So we'll do a lot of stuff there. Thanks. I want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in. Thanks for all the comments and questions in the forum. Appreciate that. Uh, Tomorrow, it's going to be the Prospect Podcast with James Anderson. Please make sure to tune in. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.